Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the podcast today, we have Paul Davis. Paul, welcome. Tom, how are you doing? Good to be here. Glad to have you. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, well, I suppose maybe just to give you a bit of a, a small bit of background. Um, many, many years ago, I originally qualified as a management accountant. For my sins, I wasn't uh, good enough in the entrepreneurial space at that time. Um, so I went off and studied management accounting, and but all my career has been going into companies and growing and scaling those companies. I've been in every single industry sector between high-tech manufacturing, low-tech manufacturing, construction, um, service industries in, in a plethora of different things. And then my last position that I held was CEO of a nationwide retail chain where I took the business from 43 stores to 60 retail stores nationwide. And then I took the decision, well, I might as well go away to my own, which I did in 2001. And the premise or the focus of my business consultancies from that side of things was to how could I help business owners to grow and scale their business? Um, so using the same tactics as what I've done in, in the large scale business, but more on a, a smaller business side of things. Been doing that, you know, we're, we're 20 years in business now at this stage. Um, but I suppose for a lot of the work that I would have been doing would have been going into companies that would have been having financial difficulties would have had to develop new markets, new products, um, restructuring, all that kind of set of things. Um, but part of what I would have been doing with, with companies would be getting in tune with what is it that the business owner ultimately wants to be doing. So what's, what's, what's their driving force? Because a lot of companies, a lot of business owners fall into businesses in some respects, just as much as I fell into doing management accounting. It's not something that, you know, I don't do any management accounts anymore. I don't do any accounts for that matter anymore. I don't even do my own accounts. Um, but it is something that I've observed where business owners will will follow a particular path, either because it's down to, you know, what their families suggest that they should do or what their schools say they should do and all that kind of things. But ultimately, it can lead to a lot of people feeling unfulfilled and they hit a crossroads whereby they've grown a successful business um it's doing really well they have all the trappings in terms of the houses the cars the partners the family all that kind of set of things but they actually wake up not so much just one particular day but they actually wake up over a period of time and say look i feel like i'm on a hamster wheel i'm on a treadmill um i'm at a crossroads what on earth should i be doing and um, because they're not getting the level of fulfillment that they should be doing from from their actual business itself so probably for the past 10 or so years what I specifically do now is I put people on the right track. Um, so I identify for them what is actually going to give them fulfillment. What is their innate role that they play in, in life? And what's their, for one better word, what's their mission? What's their why? Um, and I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, find your why and all that kind of things. I, I, don't, I don't agree with a lot of things that's been said in, in, in the medium from, from that perspective. I have a completely very, very different take on that particular one. Um, but ultimately, it's about what is it that's going to give people fulfillment, meaning and purpose in their life. And then what I do is I structure their business around that particular mission. And that's when they literally take apart from the fulfillment and the joy that they get and the, I suppose, the, the excitement or the drive and the motivation about their business. Um, it brings their business up to a much, much higher level from a level of success perspective. Um, so that's in effect what I do. 
interesting introduction. I've got like three follow-up questions. And I, want, <laughs> sure. I want to get them all out immediately so I don't forget yep. one of them. But um, no worries, fire away. I'm sure I will anyway. But um, you mentioned that you're not doing your own accounts. Do you still have yeah. a business that um, is in accounting? No, um, my business when I set it up in 2001 wasn't going into companies. I, I literally originally started doing management accounts for companies. Um, but what I found was that when I was doing the management accounts, when I was presenting the reports to the board of directors or the business owners, um, I ended up advising them from a strategy perspective. And I was looking at all different aspects of the business. So I was looking at operations, marketing, finance, um, you know, even raising finance and raising capital within the company, looking at mergers, acquisitions, takeovers, all that kind of things. Um, so I ended up advising from a strategic perspective and the management accounts piece became smaller and smaller to the work that I was actually doing in the companies. So what I ended up doing was handing over some of the companies that I was working with purely just from management accounts, handing the management accounts element over to somebody else. Um, I sold that part of the business for one better word. Um, and I purely then focused on advising the business owners from a strategic perspective. Um, so yeah, the, it's so the business right now at the moment, um, we, we don't do anything from an accounting function. We will oversee it, we will look at it. Um, I will see things that other accountants won't see in a set of accounts. And there's particular reports that I will get business owners to get from their accounting function, um, which are very, very, the information in it is a lot more, um, it's a lot more value add than to compared to what a lot of accounts produce. That's what I mean. Well, I, I do plan to ask you a couple of questions on that. Sure. Um, but I did have um, a follow up regarding the retail stores that you um, that you grew. Um, have you um, since everything that's happened? Have you checked up on them to see how they're doing? Like, have you thought? Hmm, I wonder how they're doing during this time. Okay. During, well, let's put it this way, when it went, so over in, over in Ireland this year, we had what was called the Celtic Tiger. Uh, so the Celtic Tiger was the 2008 to 2012 recession, let's put it that way. So we, we had huge growth in Ireland and a lot of that growth came from the property side of things. So I left in 2001, um, but during the, the property boom, for want of a better word, in Ireland, um, the company decided to change tactic and went down and played a lot of property games. And unfortunately, what happened for them was then in 20, 2010 to 2012, they went into examinership and they are no longer in business as a result. Mm. Oh, dear. Yeah. Not the right Does that make you them. sad or is it just like a cause and effect thing that you... you well, it's funny, on. before I left um, in 2001, one of the strategies that I was trying to implement and let me say, it, it came across a lot of um, resistance but one of the strategies I wanted to do was bring the business online. Um, at 2001, it was a tough play to do because a lot of finance needs to be raised. And it was a tough environment, but my, my, my vision for the business was to bring it online. And if the business wasn't brought online, it would probably, I'm not saying it would be, but I'm saying we have a high probability of being still in business right now at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's quite um, quite visionary in two thousand and one, right? So, um, you must have seen seen something that a lot of people didn't see. But yeah. um, you also mentioned something about the reason why, and how um, you disagree with a lot of uh, what is said on that. So, um, I'd like to get your thoughts on what it is that you disagree with, and then also what your approach to it is. 
Yeah. Um, so a lot of people, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, Thomas, whereby you'll see it on LinkedIn, you'll see it on Facebook, you'll see it on podcasts from the point of view of people saying, and it came from Simon Sinek in terms of Start With Why. And as soon as that TED Talk came out, and as soon as the, uh, the book came out, people, for one better word, jumped on it and said, okay, you've got to start with your why. And it never sat comfortably with me. And, but I just observed, I stood back and I just observed what was actually happening and what was going on. And after a while, I put up a, a, an article on my LinkedIn profile and I said, don't start with why. And the reason being is because the message that Simon was actually sending out was actually interpreted incorrectly. Now, you, people could say, well, he communicated incorrectly or he didn't communicate it right and all that kind of things. But it was picked up by the vast majority of the population in a, a completely wrong way. And so let, me, so let me explain that. A lot of the conferences that I would attend and be keynote speaker on, I was hearing other speakers getting on stage saying, you've got to start with why, you've got to find your why. And when you find your why, that's when you can bring your business to the next level. And then I observed it and I just said, mm, that's interesting, um, but not fully agreeing. And basically what their also their message was, was that people buy your why. And I said, mm, do they really? So I did my own research. And so therefore I'd get on stage and I'd ask the audience and I'd ask them questions along the lines of, so think of the last five or 10 purchases that you made and answer me this, why did you buy them? And was it because you knew the company's why or did you buy them for your own? It was going to improve your life in some particular way. And every single one of them, 99.9% .9 of the audience would say, I bought them because it was making either me making me feel good about myself or it's a quality product. So I was buying the product. I was buying it for other reasons, but nobody knew in the audience as regards why or why the company was in business in the first place. They didn't know the company's why. So that literally demolished that thinking from that perspective. So people in my experience, and again, it's only my experience, but people don't buy why you're in business. They buy the product or they buy the service because it's going to give them the result that they're looking for. That's the bottom line. Okay. Now, is why important? Yes, it absolutely is. Because what Simon was trying to communicate, as I understood it, was that if you're trying to manage and run a business, you have to know your why, because your why is absolutely important for you getting out of bed in the morning to do what it is that you're doing. So is it a driving force? It's absolutely a driving force, without a shadow of a doubt. But also on top of that, it was putting a lot of pressure on business owners to feel that because they were coming across a lot of other business consultants, definitely not me anyway, but coming across a lot of other business consultants and business coaches and business mentors saying, you got to find your why, you got to find your why. And business owners were saying, I'm in business because I want to make money because I have to pay the bills. That's why I'm in business. They don't have a fundamental underlying why. So it was putting stress on them to say that, okay, maybe I'm missing a piece and maybe that's why my business isn't successful, which is absolutely not the case. So when people, um, let me put it this way, when people consciously, and you mean that, when they're using their conscious mind to think about why is it that they're doing something, they will never get the answer because it doesn't come from your conscious mind. Your fundamental, your inspiration comes from your unconscious. It's your unconscious that's wanting to fulfill a part of what it's seeking to fulfill, which is part of your mission, part of your purpose. 
So when I'm bringing my clients through a, a question process to underline and find out what is it the unconscious mind is trying to make manifest, when it comes to the why, if you don't have an emotional response to your why, well, then it's not your why. If it doesn't move you internally, if you don't have that, for want of a better word, that heartstring moment internally, when you think about your why, it's not your why, full stop. And that's your indicator to say, is your why powerful enough? Because if it doesn't pull on your heartstrings, it's not powerful enough. Interesting. Good distinction as well. Um, Thank you. You mentioned that um, there are a lot, a lot of people or you've come across people who are, feel like they're on the hamster wheel each day or they wake up and then, then they're unfulfilled. I've spoken yeah. to a lot of people and it seems like uh, when they're able to communicate that, it's because they also went through it themselves. Did you find that you went through it and then you were able to help people with that as a result? Yeah, one of my underlying things, it, I didn't go through, um, what I've gone through, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify that I've gone through a, a hamster wheel effect. All of my life, I would have been on a quest to find out what is actually, what am I here for? And that started at a very, very young age. So oh. believe it or not, it actually started at the age of 10. So throughout my life, I would have hit a lot of choice points, and a lot of crossroads. Um, if you want me to go deep, I'll go deep, but it depends on your audience. Well, um, I already have the, um, you know, what did you conclude as a follow-up? So, yeah, feel free to go into it because um, we've got the time. Um, look, I, 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 you know, I would have planned, attempted, contemplated, uh, checking out um, multiple, multiple times during my whole life. And the underlying question in my mind was, what on earth am I here for? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? What on, you know, what's going to bring me some sort of joy and so on. So even though I've been hugely successful over the years in the sense of, so I've had everything that all my clients come to me for in terms of, yeah, I've had the houses, I've got the, I've got the cars, I've got X, Y, and Z, I've got all of that stuff. And I've had all of that stuff. I've been hugely successful over, over my whole career. Thank God. Um, but an inner part of me was saying, no, this, this doesn't, it's the, not that it's not enough. It's just not, there, there has to be something more. So I would be in meetings with, you know, we, I could be taking over a company and I'm there in the process. And one part of my brain is highly engaged in the process of taking over that company and, and negotiating the deal. While on the other part, when I'm at a coffee break or whatever I'm be, the other part of my brain is it, it's not that there, there, there's what is the point in all of this um so and it wasn't until th there's things that i see for other people and other companies hence to be the way i'd be hugely successful with my clients so i have a hundred percent success rate in turning every single company around that i've worked with and part of that is because of you know you mentioned their on relation to okay they, they may be very visionary but i'd get a lot of insights in relation to the businesses and the companies that i'd worked with so I'd, I'd see a path for them of where they should follow, um, but it's particular to the business owners. So I'd see it for other people, but a, a question for me after the vast majority of meetings will be, I wish somebody would come along to me and be able to tell me um, what it is that I'm to do. What is it, what's my vision? What's my long-term, what should I, what's the, the right track I should be on just as much as I can do it for everybody else. Um, and then one day I actually realized, actually, do you know what? 
<laughs> nobody's going to be able to tell me that anyway in the first thing. But my path is actually the path of what I'm actually doing right now at the moment, which is actually guiding and telling people what their purpose is, what their mission is, what is it that they should be doing in relation to their life and their business. Um, and what I've done over the last number of years is researched and um, not in the last number of years, I'm now 53. So you can take at least 30 years of that um, research and researching and developing and learning from all the different people around the world to come up with a methodology to um, put people on the right track. And that's where I, you know, it's, it's from an unconscious perspective. And therefore, when you tap into the unconscious side of things and you implement it from the methodology perspective, um, that's when you, you absolutely put individuals on the right track. So in a, a long way around to answering your question, Thomas, is that do I know what it's like being on the other side? Perhaps not from a, a treadmill or a hamster wheel perspective, but definitely from that sense of questioning in terms of, yeah, there has to be something more. Um, a lot of the CEOs, I'd, I'd get uh, CEOs, very senior executives coming to me and business owners coming to me saying pretty much their opening sentences will be, if I, if I don't get answered now, do, do they put a lot of pressure on me? Yeah, they do. In the sense of their question is, if I, if I can't get the answers from you, that's it. I'm not here. I'm, I'm checking out. I've already made my plan. I'm, I, I'm not going to be here. I can't do this any longer. And um, so that's how the conversation typically will unravel. Now that's on the, on, on a spectrum. What other people will come to me from the perspective of, yeah, look at their business doing really, really well. They're not getting the joy or fulfillment from it. What on earth should I be doing with my life? Um, so they're having that much more deeper inner thought process. Um, and then I literally, um, I bring them through a process and I cover it over half a day. And by the end of that the half day, they literally know exactly what they need to be doing. Um, which is, from my perspective, it's, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so that's where I get my joy from. So would you say your purpose is to help others in summary? My purpose, if I was to give you my, my why or my mission, uh, my mission is saving lives. It's both literally and metaphorically. So uh, it, probably about 30% of the clients that come to me are planning or attempting uh, suicide or checking out. So I'm literally saving their lives. The other 70% are, are where I say literally, it's uh, metaphorically, it's a case of they're living a life, but it's not really life. They're, they're going through life, but they're not living it. They have all the trappings for one bad word. Trappings not the right word, but they have all the spoils or the joys of, you know, the cars, the houses, the, all that kind of set of things, the, 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 the fancy holidays and the fancy restaurants. They have all that kind of set of things, but they don't, they're not living life. And that's very, very different. Absolutely very, very different. Um, so where I'm metaphorically saving their lives, I'm, I, they, they now get onto a life where, honestly, Jesus, the, 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 the reaction that they get when they're actually starting to live the life they're supposed to live is just phenomenal because it's a completely different individual that you come across. They're, they're fully lit up. Their energy is just huge. Um, and you can, you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their energy, the difference that it makes for them um, because they're massively enjoying what they're doing. Yeah, I can I can understand the the metaphorical part in terms of um, 
you know, uh, it, it seems meaningless or they don't get enough joy out of, you know, typical yeah. business activity or something. When you say yeah. the, the literal side of it, do you have like a charity side of your business the way you're doing that type of activity? Yeah, d- 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 well, I, I, I don't from, from that side of things in short answer. Am I involved in worthy causes? I am, absolutely. Um, I've been to Kenya, I've been to Cambodia, um, love Cambodia. Um, and I'd love to go back again. So there's a number of different projects that would have um, supported both Kenya and Cambodia and a lot of other places, India and all that kind of things over the years. Um, so I do that side of, of, of me, that's one sense. But do I have a, uh, a charity or worthy cause in relation to mental health or that kind of set of things? I, I don't. Um, I, I do what you know i've I've a mission or a name of the numbers of people that i want to reach and i'm on that trajectory right now at the moment so that that's how i'm going i'm I'm approaching in a different way to a lot of other people perhaps that will speak about mental health um i me personally i i detest the term mental health um i prefer to call it mental fitness um so it's I, i i don't for when I have a CEO coming in front of me and I explain to him why he's feeling the way he's feeling, um, it's like a breath of fresh air to him because he's been to so many other people, uh, whether it be counselors, therapists, um, or he's re- done his own research and all that kind of things. He will not have told anybody else whatsoever, um, which will be just the, the same case for me over, over years. Um, he would be hugely secretive because the risk for them is too high. If they were to tell anybody, including their partner, their spouse, or any other family member, from their perspective, that risk is too high, and therefore they won't. So, but they will do their own research covertly, and they will go to talk to some counselors and some therapists and all that kind of things. But they don't give them the answers that they're seeking. Um, so when I actually give them you know, some of the answers and some of the definitions and, and what's what's causing the way that they're feeling, that makes total and utter sense to them. And because they can fast track their, for one bad word, their transformation from feeling not so good about themselves or not so good about their lives to actually feeling hugely joyous about their life, um, that's, that to them is exactly what they're looking for. Well, congratulations on that work. Um, extremely meaningful, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's pretty cool. So um, the the not so um, deep and meaningful stuff that I wanted to talk to you about to, <laughs> yeah, to take, a, take a turn in another direction <laughs> yeah. was um, I, I have spoken to a lot of business growth people, um, but yeah. I haven't um, had someone on where they, they have like accounting expertise in a way. So um, although I'm sure the business growth stuff uh, that you cover is beneficial, I'd like to get mm. your thoughts on where um, your expertise from an accounting perspective meets the business growth stuff, because I feel like you have a, a almost like a unique perspective on that. So have you got any thoughts regarding that? Um, it's quite, quite a, a general question. Is there anything in specific you want to know, or I can fire you a couple of different things of, of, of what comes to mind straight away? The latter. Um, a lot of accountants will do historical data, whereas management accountants, which is the one I'm qualified in, it's all about forecasting, it's all about future-based. So, and what we're more involved in looking at is, okay, so where are we actually gonna get a better margin from? 
whereas most other accountants, and again, this isn't, I, I, I can dish accountants because I'm an accountant myself. And, I, you know, I've, I've talked to audiences of thousands of accountants in the audience. So, I, you know, I, 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 I say it as it is, that's what I like. Um, but the vast majority of accountants report on stuff that's historical and they, they report the P&L and balance sheet and that's, that's as much as they'll do to, to that side of things because that's how they're trained. Management accountants are, are, are trained very, very differently. So we are all about future, what's the margins, what's the, how can we squeeze margin out of a particular side of things. When you add on a commercially minded individual onto that way of looking at accounts, now you've got a very, very different animal altogether because now you're looking, okay, so what new products, what new markets can we get into? One particular report, which I will always suggest a business owner to implement, I'm going to cover two, two particular reports. One particular report that I pull in is what it, what's referred to as a funds flow statement. And most companies and most even accountants, 90% of the accounts that I come across, uh, uh, now, is that an accurate figure? No, I haven't statistically proven that it's 90%. <laughs> a very good high percentage of accountants have not got a clue about even how to formulate a funds flow statement. They think of funds flow in terms of cash flow statements are two completely different animals altogether. So a funds flow statement, you can generate profits in your business and therefore that keeps the accountant happy. But unless you produce a funds flow statement, you run the risk of not knowing where you're actually going to run out of cash. And cash is king, as we all know. So that's one particular uh, report. The other report that I look typically in companies when it comes to business growth. So does that funds flow statement um, impact on the business growth perspective? Yes, it does. Because if you run out of cash, um, well, then you are going to run into difficulties. And there's so many other companies that have that, is, that, that has happened to. They've, they've produced profits, but they've run out of cash. Okay. And funds flow statement will, 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 will highlight that. The other report which I implement is what um, I, I just I just call it a matrix report. But a matrix report is looking at all the different services or product lines that you do, run across them to all the different customers that you have or clients that you have. And then you'll be able to identify if you do a cross-reference to what customers are buying what products or services from your business. Um, and if you if you do that across the, the whole matrix, then you'll see where all the gaps are. And your whole point is you want to see the margins across each one of those products and across each one of those customers. So where can you increase the margins across the board, but where can you also fill the gaps? So they will be two specific reports that um, when I go into a company, that's one of the first things I look for. So if um, a business owner watching this was interested in the first one, the funds flow statement, what would you say, what would you advise them to do? Um, a, Google it. <laughs> what, what, what's a funds flow statement? Then I'll just say, a funds flow statement starts with, what's just for you to understand, funds flow statement starts with what's the profit that you make, then it takes into your working capital side of things. So your stock movement, your treasures movement, and your debtors movement, or assets movements. Um, then it takes into what are the repayments that you're making for, to leases and finances and loans and all those kinds of things. What new capital, what new finance did you bring into the company? Um, and therefore, did you increase your cash reserves or did you decrease your cash reserves in that particular period? So that's what a funds flow statement is. If you were to Google it, funds flow versus cash flow statement, you'll be able to see the difference. So that's probably the, honestly, it's, it's probably the first protocol I would encourage somebody who's either watching this or listening to this to, to have a look at. 
Um, and then I would, when you get a template of a funds flow statement um, down off the internet, go to your account and say, produce a funds flow statement for my business and demand it. Um, because most accountants will come out, they produce a cash flow statement and most business owners will have cash flow statements, not a lot of them, but the, a good majority will have cash flow statements, but it won't have a funds flow statement. And when you see a funds flow statement, you'd be surprised of what information it's actually going to give you. Interesting. Yeah. And then your matrix that you referred to. Um, I mean, I look at it very much from a service-based business. Um, does yeah. that, is that applicable to services? And if so, what, yeah. um, what would it look like as a general summary? Well, you've got, it depends on what are the individual services that you're doing. So when I work with service, service professionals, I will bring a true business model whereby you will start off with something for free. And you'll notice anyway, Thomas, as well. You'll start off with something for free. And then once, and I talk about it, I, I call it birdseed because birdseed is something that you give up value. It's for free. Uh, but in effect, what you're doing is you're attracting all your clients to you. Okay. So I'm from a service-based company. For, sorry. And you see it in all businesses, all different types of businesses. It, it can be product or, or service. If you take software, for example, uh, how that works, you will, if you go to get software online, you will typically see where they'll give you a seven-day trial or they give you a one-month trial or they give you a cut-down version of that software um, and you, that cut-down version is for free. But ultimately, what they want to try and do is bring you into the next level of, of a sale. So it operates in pretty much, sorry, it can operate in pretty much every single type of business. However, most business owners don't know that concept and why it's so important to have what I call birdseed. Now, when you have birdseed, well, then that, that, that's fine. The next step from that is what well, it's low for sale. You're low for sale and you've got to get them into that transaction of buying from you. They've got to take, you know, put their hand in their wallet and take the money out. That's a low for sale. But again, you're, you're giving something that's of huge value and that's of a low risk to, to a potential client. But that client is getting to experience what it is that you're, you're like to work with. And that's what low for sale. And then you're going into your ladder then of your sales. And so you have multiple tiers for, for, from that perspective. Um, so can you have a matrix? You can have a matrix covering all the different types of business as in your, your bird seed, your low for sale and all the different tiers that you have. Um, but there will be a clutter of sales that you will have whereby it's applicable to all um, customers. So if I take my own business, for example, um, pilot's manual, flight plan, and then it's into one of my service offerings. So a client should have all, all of those three elements um, as part of my matrix, if that makes sense. There's my bird seat, there's my low for sale, but those three elements are common across pretty much every single one of my clients. You encourage um, all businesses to have some sort of bird seed? Yeah, absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. No question about it. So let, let me just say, um, Apple changed their, 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 their model, but I used to talk about Apple in terms of, if you look at Apple, their bird seed was iTunes. But now they've moved to a subscription model because now it's Apple Music. Okay, but if you're back in the time, it was iTunes. If you're buying a luxury car, how bird seed works in, 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 in say, as an example, luxury cars. Um, if you're buying a luxury car, you go to the garage and if you, if you look decent, meaning you look like you have the money, that's what I like, <laughs> and there's low risk for the garage owner. The garage owner will give you a lend of that car for the weekend. 
and typically you'll you leave your old, other car behind you bring that car around with you so whether it's a mercedes bmw whatever it might be but you're driving that car around for the weekend and you're showing to all your family and by the time you come back on the monday morning to, to get your old car back the last thing you want to do is get back into your old car that's birdseed um another thing that you'll see it across is if if um if you go into your grocery store and um, so whatever store that might be whether it be sainsbury's tesco or wherever it might be you'll see people that will be handing out samples of food. So it could be bread, it could be sausages or whatever it might be. So they're cooking the sausages in, in the store, but they're giving out samples of those sausages to the customers. That's birdseed. So is it applicable for every single business? Absolutely is. And would I recommend it for every single business? Every single one of those businesses, yeah. It's really interesting. Thanks for providing that value. Um, you mentioned um, some purpose growth. Um, what what would you I suppose what are your top tips on on the purpose related stuff from a from a personal perspective? Okay, so each individual has their own unique purpose. It's fingerprint specific. Um, vast majority of people don't know what their purpose is, but they do come across the crossroads of trying to figure out what it is that their purpose is. Um, underline that. So let me drill down in, in, into that for you there is people that will consciously think about what what could potentially be their purpose or what could potentially that would uh, you know as we were talking earlier on what is that why for them but they're thinking from a conscious perspective therefore their conscious thinking is not congruent with what their unconscious blueprint is you've got to tap into the unconscious side because let me put it this way, the conscious mind and science, don't ask me how they've proven this, but scientists have proven that the conscious mind produces or processes 50 bits of information per second. The unconscious mind produce, processes 11 million bits per second. Don't ask me how to calculate it, but that's, if you Google it, that's, that's what you find. So wouldn't that make sense for us to access our unconscious side of things more so when it comes to our business? So when it comes to our purpose, it's about we've got to access our unconscious. Now, we're unconsciously programmed to fulfill what I refer to as your genius drivers. It's those things that are going to give you fulfillment. So let me bring a little bit back on this. Aristotle discovered that through the formative years as we're growing up, we create in our lives what are called voids, what he referred to as voids. We then spend basically the rest of our life trying to fill those voids. That's where fulfillment comes from. So if you think of, so the way I explain to my clients is that if you can picture that you've got three buckets in front of you and ultimately throughout your whole life, you're trying to fill those buckets, but you don't know it from a conscious perspective, it's all your unconscious blueprint. So your unconscious mind is trying to literally fill those buckets. And if you fill those buckets, that is what's going to give you fulfillment. But equally, those buckets are what I call them your genius drivers because it activates the executive central part of your brain. And when you activate the executive central part of your brain, its whole purpose and function is to get you from A to Z in the quickest, easiest, fastest, most resourceful way possible. That's what it functions as. What most people operate from is the amygdala part of the brain, which is about you know instant gratification. It's where people will eat more cake or have a, a pint of beer or whatever. That's the amygdala part of the brain. If they're not operating from the executive center part of the brain, 
So if you want to achieve huge growth in your business, you've got to be operating from the executive part of the brain. Now, also the executive center part of the brain connects with the unconscious. And as I said earlier on, the unconscious processes so much more information. So we want to access the unconscious. So if we have an unconscious blueprint, which we do, and it's trying to guide us to find what our purpose, what our mission is, and therefore it's trying to fulfill ourselves, meaning it's trying to fill those voids or fill those buckets. Well, then those genius drivers is what we need to identify. And when we go through a process to identify how is our unconscious mind trying to um, make manifest in their life to give us those, you know, I, I use the analogy of, of breadcrumbs from the perspective of, if you remember Hansel and Gretel, the fairy tale of Hansel and Gretel, and they went into the forest, but how they wanted to find their way home was they left breadcrumbs. If you, if you want to find your way home, you've got to find where those breadcrumbs are in your life. Where's your unconscious mind actually trying to show you your way home to what to ultimately to find out what your purpose is. It's all from an unconscious perspective. So when you do that, now you've got literally what I refer to or what I would say is that's more a purpose-driven business because it's all about you as a business owner, what it is that you want to achieve. What, what are you unconsciously driven to achieve? Because that's where you're going to get your drive and your motivation from. I am um, 100% agree with everything you're saying, so I'm totally on board. But one of the things which... I suppose, comes from the concept of achieving goals is that once yep. you achieve your goals, perhaps using your um, metaphor, once you fill those buckets, it's like there's another bucket ready for you and waiting. Um, and some people refer to um, enjoying the journey rather than trying to get the outcome. What are your thoughts on those two things? Because you'll, you'll never actually fill those buckets. That's the problem because goals, goals won't be, let me put it this way, you'll always be pushing because you're getting fulfillment, the more, okay, so let me just backtrack it here, right? People put forward in a sense of that, and you'll see this online, you'll see it from a whole lot of other people and so on. And they say, because as soon as I say, you'll, 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 you'll know it. They say, find your passion. And when you find what you're passionate about, well, then that's what you build your life around, you build your business around, and that's your purpose. Find your passion, that's your purpose. Oh my God, totally wrong. Completely, totally, utterly, absolutely wrong. Don't find your passion. Because if you look at it behind me, I'm passionate about everything that comes to every different mode of flying. So I've flown helicopters, light aircraft, gliders, hot air balloons. I've flown pretty much nearly every single type of aircraft right now at the moment. Um, and one of my desires is to, I would love to, to fly in space. So when Richard Branson or Elon Musk has a spacecraft created and we can do commercial flight, I literally, I'll, 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 be, I'll be on that waiting list straight away. <laughs> I'm passionate about red wine. I'm passionate about skiing. I'm passionate about horse riding. None of them whatsoever have anything whatsoever to do with my purpose. So when people try and find what they're passionate about, it's not going to give them a purpose. Passion follows purpose. You find your purpose first and your passion increases exponentially. Now, why I'm saying that is because when you, if you were to think of those buckets in front of you, those buckets become larger and larger and larger because your passion is increasing exponentially every single day, week, month, year as you're going along. They'll never be filled, for want of a better word. 
because you're getting so much passion, joy, fulfillment from what it is that you're doing, being on your purpose. Goals and objectives are very, very different. For people, they, they set a goal or they set an objective, but if it's not in line with your genius drivers, what your unconscious blueprint is, is trying to guide you towards, that's where you won't achieve your goal and objective because it's not in line. As soon as you make your goals and objectives in line with your genius drivers, now your unconscious mind wants to literally attain those goals and objectives. So that's hence the reason why an awful lot of business owners or people in general won't achieve your goals and objectives because it's not in line with your unconscious blueprint. Mm. So um, to kind of summarize what you said, um, or at least my interpretation is that the goal wouldn't necessarily be to fill the buckets up. It would be to grow the size of the buckets. Um, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, it would be a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, um, I'm glad I asked you about this because there's an awful lot of good information there. Um, and I think we've touched on some of it regarding misconceptions, but what would you say the biggest misception, misconceptions are around both the personal um, growth and purpose that you talk about, but also the business side? Oh, uh, I probably touched on them already. If, if, if I would say, um, uh, actually quite a few are jumping jump into my mind right now at the moment. Um, first sure of all, you hear them start. all the time. Yeah. First of all, don't start with why. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that, 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 that's one thing when it comes to the business side of things. Um, uh, you're, you're definitely your, your, your passion follows your purpose. You've got to find your purpose first. Um, so that, 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 that's a given when one, one thing that I come across here, here's what's jumping into my mind, Thomas. One thing that comes about for a lot of people is that they don't, they feel they don't have the confidence to do something. So even people that are perhaps maybe listening or watching your YouTube channel and saying, I'm, I'm thinking of getting into business, but I don't have the confidence in doing it. Um, and confidence shows up for an awful lot of people. So I'm, I'm going to touch, it, this is going to straddle the personal side, but it's also going to straddle the, the, the business side of things. So they label themselves as being, I don't have the confidence to do X, Y, and Z. But actually, when you look at confidence, so I'm going to completely dismiss that myth completely. Um, it's not confidence. It's competence. And when you make the distinction between competence and confidence, now you can do something about it. So the three pillars of competence are skills, knowledge, and experience. So when somebody is saying, I don't have the confidence, what they're really saying is, I'm not competent enough to do X, Y, and Z. But when you realize what you need to do in order to actually do what it is to grow your business or develop it or whatever it might be and so on, and you develop your skills, your knowledge and experience, now you become competent in what it is that you want to achieve. Confidence, the three pillars of confidence, are self-love, self-belief, and self-worth. Three completely different pillars altogether. So if you want to feel more confident, being on your purpose and fulfilling your life through your genius drivers is bringing, that massively increases your self-worth. When you increase your self-worth, if you're, you, you mentioned service industries, which a lot, of, a lot of clients I work with as well, you will only charge the fees according to the level of your self-worth. So if you want to increase your fees, you've got to increase your self-worth. That's the bottom line. So the more you increase your self-worth, well, then the higher, your higher, the higher your fees are going to be. Then you've got to look at it from a self-care perspective or a self-love. For, for, the, for, the, 
females, I use self-love. For the guys, I use self-care because guys don't like love. They don't like using the word love. <laughs> so I make this easy for you. But it's the same thing. It's looking after yourself, but allowing other people. It's, it's make, when you're looking after yourself, you're making sure that nobody's impacting you either. So that's from a self-love perspective. And then when you self, take in self-belief, those are the three pillars for building confidence. So if you want to build your confidence in something and build your confidence in something, they're three completely different, completely different set of pillars. So in answer to your question, and because I want I wanted to kind of maybe straddle both sides, the personal side and the business side of things, that's where I would um, encourage people to look at first. Mm. Very um, profound point. Um, and perhaps one that I would also add is that people refer to it as risk, like it's too risky to do X, Y, and Z, but that's yeah, but, the, yeah. it's the same problem, right? So it's, it wouldn't be risky yeah. if you had knowledge, expertise, and education in that area. Yeah. I feel like a lot of um, our conversation today, and I'm sure you probably, um, you can probably tell me more on this, is around definition of terms. So you've obviously thought a lot about um, the differences between certain words and how and why you would apply them in certain instances. And it makes me think of Socrates, uh, the definition, wisdom begins with the definition of terms. So how much have you spent, how much time have you spent, like the nuances between certain terms and that sort of area? Mm -hmm. It's it's one it's one of those things that kind of fascinates me in the sense of what what are the meaning of particular words. So it does kind of indirectly fascinate me, and people's understanding. So let me <laughs> I'll give you another funny one. Um, passion. If people were really to look up the definition of passion, they wouldn't call it passion again. Mm. So we've just gone through in the in the Christian calendar. We've just gone through Easter, which is a very very important week within the Christian calendar. Uh, which was the, you know, uh, Jesus was crucified on the cross and so on, so on, so on. So, but it was referred to as the passion of Christ. The passion is suffering. So when you think about it, people say, and I know we've said this in the sense of find your passion that you've got your purpose. But if passion is suffering, well, then why on earth would you want something that you want to suffer from? So I, I'm always interested in kind of the definitions or the meanings of words and um what what people's interpretation of them are um because it's 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 when you but this this is with all of life thomas uh, i'm sure you're you're similar as well when you actually step back from you know away from the madding crowd and you just observe and you see so much more um as opposed to what a lot of people will do is they become part of that crowd and they become part of the blaze of what's going on and the conversation and what's what's the, the the group think within the crowd itself as opposed to independently thinking for themselves and seeking out the information and the wisdom from that quest of what they're trying to find out as opposed to just taking what somebody else says so really what i would say to people is don't believe anything i say ask for yourself it's a it's a good point, and um, uh, you know I've been guilty of um, of following the or even giving the advice of following your passion, um, and I think a lot of influential people have. So one of the first person that comes or first people that comes to mind is um, Warren Buffett, and um, you know he always gives that advice, and I think he's like highly influential and successful and everything. But perhaps if he were to look up the definition, he wouldn't he wouldn't give that advice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 
it's it's one of those it's one of those words that's uh, across all boundaries. That's what I like. But I will Google it. I promise. Yep. Yep. So you're a um, an author. Can you yep. give me the story behind that? Because there's all there's normally always a story about the writing of the book sure. and how it went and. Um, yeah, my first book was called Evolve, um, uh, and it was published in 2012. Um, it took me about I don't know probably about seven years to write. Um, it was never right, and then as soon as I there's a part in the book that I wasn't going to include, and then as soon as I included the book. Um, hey presto all of a sudden within uh, a month I find a publisher and within three months it's published um, so that would kind of indicate how, how powerful the universe is um, so Evolve is a very very different book it's, it's literally how can you use the lessons that you can learn from how the universe works and implement those into your business into your personal life so Evolve is there's, there's a hidden message in the word Evolve I don't talk about it until the conclusion of the book itself. And Evolve is also an acronym within the book itself. So that was, that was my first book, um, became bestseller in 2012. Um, my second book that I came out with, which was purely just a business book, which was called More. And that's how you get more clients, more fees, more time, to sit specifically aimed at, at people in professional services. Um, I published that book, uh, oh my God, I can't even think, I think it was 20, 2014, 2015, something along those lines. And then the third book that was published was in collaboration with 60 other authors. And the, the question that we were asked was, what's the advice that we would give our grandchildren to build a better life, a better business and a better world? So amongst 60 authors, we were to give our take on what was the advice that we would actually give our grandchildren. So the book is called Better Life, Better Business, Better World. And it's basically our take on, on what's the advice that we would give. So it's, it's, it's the best advice, basically, is, is, is what is contained in the book. That's what I mean. I feel like that's such a cliffhanger, Paul. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, In what way? Is there any way that you can share some of the advice that you would give your grandchildren? Oh, but let me just say, it's... I. I, I kind of, in, in the opening of, of the chapter, I, 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 pl I play with it less sort of way in the sense of, you know, I go along the lines of, you know, eat more ice cream and less cabbage. So I play along, along those lines, but ultimately I'm finishing each section of, so for, for a better life, it's about making a difference. So every single day, no matter who you come across, can you make a difference in that person's life? When it comes to your business, if you were to construct your business in such a way that your whole aim was to make a difference in your clients' lives or your business or your customers' lives, well, then that's the focus that you should have within your business itself. Because if you're making a difference in their, in their lives, well, then, you know, if you take from a, a business growth perspective or a, or a marketing perspective, ultimately, that's what our customers want. And then when it comes to the world, well, then if we go about our life and saying, well, I want to leave this world in a better place than how I entered it. So how can I make a difference in the world? So it's the same. My, my own personal chapter in, in that particular book was under the three headings was how can we actually make a difference? Love it. Was there any other, um, presumably you read it, was there any other advice that you liked in the book? 
Um, I'm being biased, but um, I've, I've yours I was the best. Mine was best, absolutely hands down. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's a lot of really, really good advice in there. Absolutely, hugely, hugely advice. A lot of it I've, I've come across over the years. Um, so it was, it was just interesting to see other people's takes on on what they would, where, where they were coming from, and what what advice I would give. So it was very interesting from that perspective. Yeah, sounds interesting. Is there anything that we haven't discussed today that you think would be valuable to the listener or viewer? Oh God, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll leave you on this one. Um, if we're <laughs> come close to an end, but I, I, I leave on, on this contemplation. Um, if, let me just wait. Growing a business is, is one thing. And perhaps maybe it's because of a lot of the customers and clients that I come across, whereby they they achieve a lot of success. And it is the old cliche of, look, at you know what? Success is one thing, but when you're actually not really enjoying your life or getting more from it, well then, yeah, it's, and, and, and let me first say, I'm reflecting on people that I know and have, have known in, in, in the past and, family members and all that kind of things. Um, and what I would say is that, you know, when it comes to the end, when they're on their deathbed, because I've had a couple of occasions already, when they're on their deathbed and they're looking back and they're asking themselves, actually, do you know what? Did I live the life that I really could have, should have, or desire to have? Um, and for the majority of cases, unfortunately, it's no. Um, so, I, you know, I suppose if I leave with a piece of advice, Jesus, have the life you really desire. Um, and not necessarily, that's not necessarily about, you know, uh, striving for success. As you mentioned earlier on, Thomas, you know, it, you've got to enjoy the journey. But enjoying the journey is you can have one heck of a journey um, in a, such an amazing way, jumping out of bed every single day to do what it is that you want to be doing. Um, that's the life. That's absolutely life you want to work living. Very good answer. The deathbed is a powerful one for sure. Yeah, it's tough one to be beside us that way. But yeah, are you willing to share your goals? Um, <laughs> do you know what? There, 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 there's two train of thoughts in this one, and I haven't settled on it to be honest with you. One is where you know you share your goals with other people. Um, and then there's another train of thought which gives accountability and all the kinds of things. And there's another train of thought that actually, no, you should keep your goals private. Yeah. Um, I'll give you my, my mission is saving lives. And as I've said that already, in terms of metaphorically and literally, and I do it every single day. Um, but I do have a personal target when it comes to the number of lives I want to uh, save. So I'll, if it's okay, I'll keep the, the, the target to myself. <laughs> But you'll understand as regards where where my mission or where my goal or where my objective is. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And again, highly meaningful. So Paul Davis, where is the best place for people to find you? Um, best place with everything on it is my website, which is paulwilliamdavis.com. Um, within that, then you'll see links to my podcast, which is called The Executive Code. You'll see links to my uh, Facebook community, which I've I've created over the last number of months, and that's so that's it. That's a growing community, which is great. It's people that were want to 
build purpose-driven businesses, uh, want to find out what their purpose is, and it's a great supportive community. What's happening in there already is just, oh my God, it's just phenomenal. Um, so, but yeah, paulwilliamdavis.com is probably the best place for, for, for people to go to. Okay. Well, um, I, I normally do speak to, you know, informed people and um, normally do have good conversations. But in this particular instance, I will enjoy editing, rewatching it. So hopefully that, that means something. So um, thank, you. thank you very much for your time. And I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you.